we're going to go to prayer for, before we start, if that's okay. I got a text from Brother Gary Longoria while I was in there. Um, he's positive for COVID. He has tightness in his chest. Brother Homer's doing some better. Brother Homer's vitals are good. Um, as long as he stays on oxygen, he's, he, he's feeling better. He's still got some cough. And he wanted me to ask that y'all remember uh, his son, Josh. He's having ACL surgery, I think, this week. So if you will, just join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another time to serve you, Lord. Lord, we look at the times around us, Father, and we look at the, the situation that we have to be in, Father, with just a few people here. But Lord, you said where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'll be in their midst, Lord. Lord, as the song was saying, Lord, I, Lord, that birth that you gave to, to Mary, Father, you said that you would do that again in a little bride in Laodicea, Father. Lord, I believe that I'm part of that bride. These brothers and sisters, they believe that they're part of that bride, Lord. Lord, in the midst of, of Laodicea, when it's dark, Lord, there's hardly any light. You still have a bride, Father, that will give birth to that Word. I'm so thankful, Lord. Let that Word be birthed in my life. Let that Word be birthed in the life of the church family here, Lord. Lord, help us to be a testimony, Father, that You have manifested Yourself in a bride. Lord, as we study the Word tonight, Lord, as we bring it to the people, Lord, I pray that You'd help me get myself out of the way. Lord, I've studied these notes, Lord, that I've had. Lord, I've looked at them. I've looked at the Scriptures, looked at quotes. Lord, but when you walk out of here, sometimes, Lord, it just seems to wash all away. You can't think of anything to say, Lord. But Lord, if you have control, if you come and take over, Father, I won't have to worry about that. So I pray that you would come bless us tonight. Bless us with your presence. Bless everyone that's gathered, everyone that's streaming, Lord. You know the lives, the needs of each one, Lord. We welcome you here tonight. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open with a scripture, uh, Colossians 3. I'm going to read verses 5 through 10. I was telling Brother Bradley a while ago, somebody asked me if I will be nervous preaching to only about 10 people here. I told him I preached to three one time and one of them stared out the window the entire service. So this is a crowd. <laughs> so if you have your Bibles, Colossians 3, 5 and 10, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, unordinate affection, evil, whatever that word is, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh out of the children of a disobedience, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now you also put off these, all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. And when you put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, you can be seated. I have a, my title tonight is Resurrection of the New Man. Thank you. I know Brother Donnie's been speaking on this the last three, four weeks, the new man and the, the seed life. And I promise you I've had these notes since summer. So I, I haven't, um, I told Brother Jim Babb today I'll try to bring it a little different. 
Oh, I promise you it'll be different than what Brother Donnie brought it. But hopefully you can, we can get something out of it tonight. Brother Branham said in 61, and why? Unless a grain of corn falls in the ground and rots, unless a man rots to his own theology. Unless you rot into the Methodist theology, unless you rot into Baptist theology. Unless you rot into Pentecostal theology, until you rot to those things and give yourself into the hands of God, then the old man will die. And the new man will be born. Christ Jesus, we will rise. Glory in the power and the resurrection of Christ and the life that was in Christ will be in you. And these signs shall follow them that believe. That's why the matter. Yes, that's where it's at. Tonight, since there's only a few people, I mean, I would, if y'all would amen a little bit loud, you know, Brother Terry's not here no longer, Brother Wes. <laughs> so, you know, it really helps. Um, I, if if y'all could just let me know you're out there and, Sometimes, like Brother Donnie says, I can't hear a nod, but um, this is definitely different. I, I will say this is different, but I, I appreciate the, the pull. But Paul's saying we have a new man. If anybody knew that more than anybody, Paul knew that. Paul knew that there was a new man when he got on the road to Damascus, when Jesus came, came to him and Paul had a revelation. Paul's biggest revelation was of the old man. Paul hated that old man for the rest of his life. For what he had done. He persecuted Christians. He'd, he'd done all these things. And that, Paul, if you read in, in Colossians and Galatians and in Corinthians, different, Paul's talking about how he crucified him, himself with Christ. Paul, he says, I die daily. All these things that Paul says. And looking back over Colossians, he says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, covetousness, which is idolatry. Mortify is to put to death, to view as a corpse. Paul says, these things that's in your life, these things that hinder your, your mortal body, this is what I want you to put to death. Because as long as these things live in your life, that new man can never manifest himself. That new man will always stay buried. You know, we come up here all the time, we have, we have baptisms up here all the time, and we know it's in symbolism. It's a death, burial, and resurrection. The old man is, is, dies and is buried and a new man comes up. We know that baptism doesn't save you within itself. It doesn't make a new man out of you within itself. It's all symbolism. But we understand that and the scriptures instruct us to do that. But you've got to under, understand the symbolism of that is exactly what Paul is saying. You have to kill this old man. Amen. You have to kill him. You know, I was teasing with Joel this, this weekend. You know, we was talking about Brother Tim Burdett singing that song, you know, the old man is dead. I said, you know, I'm going to write a new one. It's called The Old Man is on the Ventilator. Because people don't want to kill him. Amen. People do not want to kill him. They want to keep him alive just enough if they need him. So Paul is saying, <clears throat> and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Renewed is to be changed into a new kind of life as opposed to the former corrupt state. That's kind of similar to the word they use, regenerate. Regene, as Brother, Brother Donnie says. So Paul spoke of this battle between this old man and this new man more than anybody else in the Bible. He never realized there was a new man until his conversion. He thought he was the new man. Paul thought that whenever he was going through persecuting the Christians, when he was holding um, Stephen's the coats of the men that stoned Stephen, but this was the new man. This was the man that was going to, to take the gospel to everybody and, and, 
And if you didn't believe it the way you believe it, they were going to kill you. This was Paul's idea. But you got to realize that you can't force this new man into your life. People get to thinking, if, if, if I act better, if I live a better life, if, 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 if I force myself not to do my old habits, if, if I force myself not to drink, if I force myself not to smoke, if, if I force myself, you know, I'm bitter towards this brother. Let's bring it up into the message now. Just because you don't drink and you don't smoke and you don't swear, that don't mean you still don't have an old man that's still alive. Satan's going to make sure that you remember that. Whether he's dead or not in your life, Satan's going to make sure that you know he's there. He's going to remind you. He's going to make you think. Even if you feel of the Holy Ghost and the new man, which we'll find out later, Paul says, it's Christ. Brother Bram said, that, that, that new, new man that manifests himself in your life is Christ. It's not you anyway. You can't force Christ into your life. You can't force yourself to have the Holy Ghost. So just acting better. Just, just trying to do away with the bad habits in your life. You've had bitterness against this brother, this sister for so long, and you thought, well, I'm going to act better around them. It's still there. You just got the old man on a breathing machine. He's still there. You can't force it. You have to kill him. That's what Paul's saying. And Brother Branham says, <clears throat> unless you rot, until you rot to those things, then give yourself into the hands of God, then the old man will die. When you take these things in your life, you take the things that beset you. You know, just because you have the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that you don't have things that beset you. You've heard that a million times in this, in this church. It does not de-Christianize you because you have faults and you have mistakes. That's part of this flesh. If, if, if the rapture was to come in a, in a split second, you might make a mistake one split second before the rapture takes place. That's humanity. That's this flesh. But you're going to a glorified body. Your theophany will come back and pick up a glorified body. That new man will come back and pick up a glorified body. That'll never make another mistake. That'll, that'll never need be healed. That will ne never um, sin in any way. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I protest by your rejoicing, which I, I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. Paul died daily because he was daily reminded himself. It was always, I, I, this is my opinion, that Paul always had in the back of his mind everything he'd done. The people that God was sending him to now were the people that he killed. The ones that he persecuted. And Paul says, I have to die daily. I have to remind myself that old man is no longer me. If Satan come to remind you of your mistakes all the time, everything you've done, and you sat and dwelled on that constantly, you think that, that life of Jesus Christ and you would rise up and be victorious if you was constantly dwelling on your past? If you was constantly dwelling on the mistakes that you had in your life? Satan's going to remind you, forget it. He's going to remind you. When you get the Holy Ghost and you feel like you come in one of these services and, and you get filled with the Holy Ghost and you, walk, and you walk out that door and you feel like my life is renewed. I'm regenerated. The new man is manifested in my life and probably so. But do not think that you're going to have that feeling. You might not even have that feeling the rest of the night. It might leave you as soon as you walk out the back door. Uh -huh. Satan's going to remind you. Yeah, but before you came to church, you did this. 
Before, you, before yesterday, you, you got in a fight with your wife. You did this. You did this at work. You, you, you said this. You, you looked at this. You thought of this. It's always going to be there. But you have to keep your mind, Satan, that's not me. That's, that's the old man. And that's why Paul said, I die daily. I, I die to myself. I, I keep killing that old man daily. I keep burying him. But every time you bury him, there's a resurrection. There, there, there cannot be a death without a resurrection if you're a seed of God. That death is going to bring forth the resurrection. No doubt it haunted him every day. No, I'd say Paul, nobody hated their past more than Paul did. You look at the worst things you've done in your life. Can you, can you think? I mean, did you kill anybody? Have you, did you persecute Christians and hunt them down and kill them and torture them and throw them in prison? Nobody's done that. But this is the man that had to live with that every day. In Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Paul crucified the old man. Paul says, I'm crucifying him. Nevertheless, I live, but not I, but Christ liveth in me. Paul was saying, me, Paul, I died, I crucified. The resurrection was Christ in his life. It wasn't him. He said, it's not me, it's Christ. It's Christ that liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He had a revelation that the new man was Christ. It was the seed life of Christ being manifested in Paul. We're sons and daughters by predestination. You know, we, all, we believe in predestination. We believe that before the foundation of the world, God had a thought of you and that when you was born, He took that first breath of life and God placed that seed of life of Himself inside of you. And Paul's saying, this has become manifested in my life. <clears throat> We've got to realize, you know, when Satan keeps throwing the old man at us, I mean, when you're born, you're born into flesh. You, you, you're born in flesh, shaped in iniquity. You came to the world speaking lies. Do you realize the new man in you came first? This old man wasn't first. The new man was first. That new man of you was in God's thoughts before the foundation of the world. Yeah. Only thing this does right here is transport him around. You're eternal. The real you, the new man in your life is eternal. It cannot be any other way but that because Christ is eternal. And Paul says, that new man in me is Christ. Brother Bram said, that new man in you is Christ. It's not you. So you can't work it up. You can't try to, to live right. Try, trying to live right, that's good morally. That, that's a great thing to do morally. Try, try to live right. But you've got to understand human trying, human effort does not bring forth the new man. Amen. It's yielding. It's submitting yourself to God. You're just saying, God, I, I, can't, I can't do away with this. I can't take this out of my life. I've struggled this for, with this for years. I can't, I can't take it away. There's people, even myself, you know, you have habits in your life that you've had, your life that you tried and tried and tried, mentally, physically, trying to stop on your own. I mean, you might go a month or two, you might go a year or two, and then it keeps coming back. Because it was you 
putting forth the effort. And it wasn't you yielding to that new man saying, if I let this new man manifest himself in my life, it won't be my efforts anymore. It won't be me trying to get rid of it anymore. It won't be me trying to live this life. You can't live this life. You can try your best to live a Christian life. You pick up this book and you start reading this book. And you say, I'm going to live everything I read in this book. You'll be so confused. If you read this with human understanding, human intelligence, you'll be so confused you won't know what you're doing, right or wrong. That, that's that's the, the issue that, you know, Brother Branham's saying, let the Methodist theology rot. Let the Baptist theology rot. Let the Joeology rot. Let the Harryology um, rot. Let it rot because it won't do you a bit of good until you've got the theology of the new man in your life teaching you how to yield, teaching you how to let, to let go of that old man, to bury him, to stab him, to kill him, blow his head off, whatever you have to do. But that's what you got to, that's what Paul is telling us to do. Crucify yourself with Christ. Paul says, I crucified, I'm crucified with Christ. We have to be. We have to nail the old man to the tree. Just like Paul did. We can't resuscitate him. We can't put him on a ventilator for later. You know? That's, that's like taking things in your life and going, put him in a closet. Instead of destroying them. You've got to sell out. <clears throat> if you were in his thoughts before the foundation world, the new man has no choice but to come to fruition in your life. I promise you, if you were in the thoughts of God before the foundation of the world, that new man will eventually manifest in your life. He's got no choice. Because it's a part of God. It's a piece of God. That little part, that little seed, we'll, we'll get into the seed part here in a minute, but that little seed that God placed in you when you took your first breath of life. You know, Brother, Brother Brandon, I'm telling the story about that 90-year-old woman. She said she, he led her to Christ when she was 90. That seed of life laid in her for 90 years when she took her, she was predestinated. It took her 90 years for the new man to manifest itself in her life. 90 years. And there's people, you see people come to church and don't get what they feel like they should get within a month and they leave and never come back. You've got to understand just because, just because, you know, there's things getting not revealed to you. People give up because I, they say, I can't see it. I don't know what this woman was. I, I have no idea what denomination she belonged to. But evidently, what she was believing wasn't right. And then God sent a prophet her way and said, there's a new man in there. There's somebody else in there. And so what quickened that new man in, in this 90-year-old woman's life? What manifested it? It was the watering of the Word. She heard the word and it watered that seed. And that seed, it came underneath the basking of the sun. And that's 90 years old. A seed comes to life. 
Thank you. <clears throat> you know, if, if you go by the way of the grave, if God takes us by the way of the grave, you're, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You have the Holy Ghost in your life, and, God, and you die. You, you, we have a promise of a resurrection. God promised you a resurrection if you die. Amen? Everybody believe that. So if you die in your resurrection, you come back in another body. You're victorious over everything. The body that you're now in is victorious. There's no more death. There's no more sickness. There's no more depression. There's no more financial troubles. There's, there's, there's nothing. There's no bitterness. There's no hatred. There's no, nothing. So, and that's what you will find in the rapture in the resurrected body if you go by the way of the grave. You realize you do not have to wait till you're resurrected to have that. When that old man dies and there's a resurrection of a new man in your life, you have the same victory over all of those things that a resurrection, raptured body would have. Brother Branham said, if Jesus stood right here in my suit and you come up here to get prayed for, he couldn't heal you. He said he couldn't heal you anymore because it's already done. Everything that you ever needed, if you're a predestinated son or daughter of God, everything that you ever needed, it's already been done. It's by faith. It's a, it's a walk of faith. And Paul says, I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I don't care to crucify myself with him. I don't care to kill the old man. Because I, I know that, that it's not me that, that's living. The, the new man is not me. It's Christ living. You've got to let Christ live in your life. You've got to let the life of Christ be predominant in your life more than anything else. And Paul says, only way you could do that is by faith. Faith in the Son of God. <clears throat> He's never failed. When you have a new man in your life, everything that you would have in a resurrected body, you already have with the resurrection of the new man in your life. He'll never fail. He's never failed anything he's ever said he would do. He's done it. He can't go back and finish something because he already finished it. You know, we had a situation here at, at our church several years ago. You know, it, threats and stuff because things that were said here. And after about six, seven months, eight months, I don't know, maybe even a year, I was driving by one day and I just felt pressed upon my heart to come pray for Brother Jimmy. Brother Jimmy was catching the brunt of all of it mostly. And, and I walked into the library and I might have said that here before, this before, I, I don't know. I walked into the library and I said, Brother Jimmy, just something... It's pulling on my heart to come in here and pray with you. So me and Brother Jimmy had prayer. And he told me long, sometime later, he said things started to change. He said it, it happened. Well, this past year, you know, we, we got some more, you know, I had some people calling me and telling me, you know, hey, this is possibly going to happen at your church and all this. And, and from that, that point on, 
And, and I would tell whoever, would, I had texts, I had texts, I had phone calls, and, and man, I appreciated it. But I, I told them, whoever, whoever would call me and tell me, I said, God has never started a work he hasn't finished. When prayer was made, God took that away. But that does not mean Satan's not going to throw a bluff up in your face. That does not mean that Satan is not, just because you overcome one battle, that don't mean Satan ain't going to try to throw the same battle at you. He don't accept it and throw his hands up. Well, he's good at that. I'm not going to attack him with that no more. That's not the way it works. But God will never incomplete a work. He always finishes everything he starts. And he does it well. So, you, you know, when we look at look, people dealing with COVID, we look at people dealing with cancer in their lives right now, and, and we look at it and we, you know, we, we pray and we pray and we pray and we seem like we struggle through the prayer. Lord, when's this going to change? When, God's got everything under control. So don't, don't look at it and think, well, God didn't do that. Maybe God's got a greater plan than your prayer. God's got something working more in your prayer. That, that new man in your life, maybe he needs, the old man needs a little bit more killing first. So looking at, looking at that, you know, at the things that's happening around us today, politics, it's all corrupt. But I, I trust, you know, as time comes down, because you look at the signs of the time, I've, I've, had, I've had people that don't know a thing about this message. Tell me, signs, this is the signs of the time, the end time. This can't go, I mean, people that you have no idea what they believe, what they don't believe, and, and they're telling you, this is the end time. The signs are everywhere. But in, in, the, in the body of the new man that's manifested in your life, you, you don't have to look at that. You know, when the children of Israel, when all the plagues were going through, through Egypt, there was no plagues in Goshen. When there was gross darkness in Egypt, there was light in Goshen. God's still going to shine a little light on this bride. God's still going to manifest himself, his seed life in this bride. It don't matter. To me, that's what gives me the greatest joy, that it does not matter what happens in the world around me. It's the life that I have inside. It'll keep you through it all. If you have that life, if you don't have that life, if you're still counting on this old man to pull you through these hard times, you better pull the plug on him because he's going to fail you. You have to kill him. Spoken word is original seed. I put a note down here. It said natural, the natural type. Now, therefore, true life can come, can only come or re reproduce itself by its original breeding. Now study that. When you're studying the tapes, study it now. Life, L-I-F-E, can only be reproduced by its original breeding. The way it started in the beginning, then it reproduces itself. What is the, the seed life in you? It's God re reproducing himself. That's what he did with Mary. He produced a body that he himself can come into. And this word will do the exact same thing as it did to Mary. This, this word will water that seed 
That S-O-N will shine on that seed. And that seed will give birth to life. That's Christ reproducing himself in you and in me. You know, when I was studying this, you know, I was studying it, you know, how God had a vision in his mind, in his thoughts. Brother Branham, so often how we've heard it, and Brother Branham said, you know, you were in God's thought before the foundation of the world, you know. And he, he had a perfect image of, of what he wanted you to be. He had a perfect idea in his mind. This, this, this is exactly what I want Brother Harry to be. This right here is the very image. Brother Harry, no matter what you've done in life, no matter the mistakes you've done, anything you've done in your life, God has never lost that perfect image of you. He's never had another image in you. And I was thinking of this in, in, in matter of, of, of speaking naturally. When my, when my dad and my mom gave birth to me, I was the best kid they ever had. I don't care what any of them tell you. But my, when my dad, when I was born, when, when my dad was born, he had a vision in his mind that, that when I got older, you know, this is what he wanted me to be. Naturally speaking, that don't mean that was going to happen. But he still had a vision. He still had a thought of what he wanted me to be. Now, as a you know, kid growing up, my dad was my hero. My dad is even more my hero now because I can see now the things that my dad sacrificed, things that he gave up for me. As a child, you don't see that. You, you don't understand things that in, your, in your parents' life they go through as a child. So, you know, when I was born, I couldn't look at my dad and say, one day I'm going to look just like him. I had no idea. He had an idea. He had an idea. What, I mean, he's not God, but he had an idea that one day I would be pretty much his image. I didn't know that. You didn't know that. When you came into this world, you didn't, you know, and God had this image in, your, in his mind. You might have been lost in sin for the first 30 years of your life. You had no idea that God had this image of you in his mind. So growing up, you know, and, and I look at my dad. To me, my dad was, was the, the biggest, the strongest, the fastest, the baddest man on the, in Hardy, Arkansas. <laughs> there were some bad dudes there. And, and, and in my mind, you know, growing up, you hear people tell you, you have your dad's eyes. You have your dad's nose. You have, you, you have your dad's smile. But as you grow, as a child and you grow, and, and then as you get older, you start to see little manifestations in your life that look like your father, your natural father. You know, it's, it's nothing that's planned out. You know, I could, I could have been, you know, I could have looked like my mom. Might have been better looking, than looking like my dad. <laughs> but at some point, I, I get into the full revelation of what my dad wanted of me. It might have took 30, 40, 50 years. But spiritually speaking, the same thing, God had this image of each one of us in his mind. Before the foundation of the world, it's always been there. The thought of you has never not been in God's mind. It's never not been there. That's why Brother, said, Brother Bram said, you came from eternity, you go back to eternity. Because that, that image has always been there. <clears throat> So in order for me to manifest 
Gary Hara in myself. I had to become a different person. I didn't look like him when I was a toddler. I didn't really look like him when I was a teenager. I had to come full manifestation of what he thought I would one day be. I had to become a new man. I had to become a man. I, I wasn't, this little child was the old man. I got my tail busted a bunch because I made mistakes. I did things I shouldn't have done. But then I had to become a new person. I had to become a new creature, Paul says. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And this word new says as respects form, recently made, fresh, recent, unused, unworn, new, which is recently made, is superior to what succeeds. And this, I put a note down here, unworn is as a new garment, putting on new clothes, throwing away the old clothes. We see this picture in the prodigal son. We see the prodigal, the old man left. He said, give me what's mine. I'm going to go make it on my own. I'm going to become a new. This is good. So we see how that worked out for Paul. I mean, for the prodigal son. He left. He said, give, give me everything that's mine and I'll leave. So he, the old man, he's, he's leaving. The old man is leaving. But what did the father say when he come back? He said, my son, that was dead. The son that had died. He's now alive. The father testified that there was a resurrection. So what's he going to do? He's going to clothe him in new garments that are unworn. It's new. He's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. He was dead. This is the parable of a resurrection in this young man's life. You know, when God changes you, when God takes that, takes that away from you, when you become a new creature, like I said before, no doubt Paul was haunted daily by his mistakes. But God puts it in a sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered. You know, if, if we could forget. You know, when the devil brings up things to us in our lives, we can tell him, Satan, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. That wasn't me. That was the old man. You know, I, I had the privilege of coming in here one night and with the young people, and they've been going through this series, The Chosen. Have y'all anybody heard the, the Chosen? And, and this particular one, it really struck out to me, stuck out to me because it had Mary, who Jesus had cast seven devils out. You know, in, in the storyline in the movie, it show it, it tells how Nicodemus had met with with Mary and, and was going to get rid of these demons for, was going to cast them off, and, and it didn't work. And in the movie, it shows him talking to the people in the Sanhedrin, and he said, I'm going to go investigate this. I'm going to go find out what happened to her, and I'll get back with you. So he comes up to Mary, 
And he starts calling her by her old name, Lilith. And then what stuck out to me was when he starts calling her by her name, her old name, she don't comprehend. She don't know who that person is. She forgot. God forgot. And then he starts reminding her what had happened to her. She had no idea. She had forgot. She couldn't remember it. She was now a new person. She said, that's not my name. My name is Mary. That's just like the devil coming to you all the time, telling you you've done this. You can tell him, that's the old man. That's not me. You know, if, if, Satan, if Satan gets us focused on the old man so often, if he, if he gets you to keep your focus there, you, you, it's hard to grow. You know, you, you watch people sometimes battling things and, and sometimes in, in coming to church and they sit there and the, the, the service is going forth, the anointing is moving and, and they sit there blank. Sometimes they sit there and they, and they, and they wallow in their, in their depression and they, they wallow in their issues they got at home and, and, and everywhere else. When the greatest source they have is coming from right up here. And they sit there and, and, and don't get involved and, and, and they don't pull on the gift and they don't, they don't ask the Lord, Lord, I, I, need, I mean, this is the time that you need something more than any time. And they sit there and, and they wallow in, their, in their, their self-pity. Yeah, you're going through things. Everybody's going through things. But this is where you get help. This, on Sunday and Saturday and Wednesday, you come in and you get under the watering of the Word. That's what helps that seed life of that new man grow. There's no growth. There's no resurrection. You're not going to resurrect a new man by focusing on your issues, focusing on your problems, when you should be focusing on the one that can fix him. Brother Bram says, not because your father was something, it's what are you? Every man's got to be born again. I'm losing time. I'm going to have to skip some stuff. A new man, every man <clears throat> got to be born again and this sinful nature killed in him and a new man born in him, which is Christ Jesus, the Son of God. Brother Bram said, that new man that is born in you is Christ Jesus. It's not you as a better person morally. You're not better because you're trying to do better. What makes you better is Christ living in you. Christ, the hope of glory. Then you surrender yourself completely to Christ and Christ comes in and writes a book of Acts through you. How I know that's the truth, my friend. How I know it's the truth. So how do we know there's a new man living in us? How do you know? Where, where does the life come from? Where does the life of this new man come from? Like I said, we can't work it up. We can't, we can't sit there and conjure it up and, and, and pump it and prime it like Brother Branham talk, used to talk about. You get one of them old wells and you try to prime it up. You, you, can't, you can't prime the Holy Ghost into your life. It's a gift. How do you get that gift? By yielding. <clears throat> We'll jump ahead here. I apologize. I'm running out of time. 1 John 3, 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, 
the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. God's seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. That's a perfect example of the new man. God's seed in you, birthing in you as a seed of God. So what's a seed? Children, offspring, prodigy, family, race, posterity, whatever possesses vital force of life-giving power or life-giving power, the Holy Spirit, the divine energy operating within the soul by which we are regenerated. You know, in studying this, when I was studying, got into studying the seed life, and Brother Brandon refers to it a lot in different sermons, and <clears throat> you know, we've always, we've heard for, for years, you know, and it's, it's a wonderful, it would only take the, the, the mind of a prophet, uh, where God revealing it to a prophet, that, that you was in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. How that when you was in his thoughts and that thought when you took your first breath of life, God took that thought and dropped it into your, into your soul. Only a prophet can know that. You know, I mean, we, we, we read in, in the scriptures, you know, that Paul and, and him touch on it to an extent. But in this last age, we got a deeper look into the mind of God. We got a deeper look into where we came from. You know, in looking at that, you know, I never didn't understand it for years. So when I when I put this together, now I, I don't hear audible voices speak to me when I'm studying. Never have, probably never will. It just comes as thoughts. When I was studying this, Lord, it was probably two three months ago, and a thought came to me. You know how to understand God dropping a thought. Whenever I come out of the womb in my first breath of life, and God sets that seed down in there. You know, and I used, looked at an example of an oak tree. I'm going to put this on first grade level so I can understand. Look at an oak tree. I got to looking at oak trees this week. You know, they say some of them grow over 100 feet tall. They'll live from anywhere from 120 to 150 years. Some people say they live almost 1,000 years. But the oak tree is both male and female. They have what they call male flowers and female flowers, and the, the, the seed comes out of the, the female flower, and the, the pollen from the male flower pollinates it, and it forms an acre. And just like the thought of God, that big old hundred foot oak tree drops an acre into the dirt. Now, if that Akron had any intelligence. This, here comes the first grade level. If it had two eyeballs, and it could look up at this big 100-foot oak tree and, and look at that and say, wow, that is a big tree. My daddy is huge. And be amazed at the size of this tree that gave birth to him. But that's all he knows. He has no idea every single piece of DNA that's in that tree is in him. He has no idea. 
Now, studying this, an acorn can't really thrive underneath the branches of an oak tree. It requires animals, rat, rodents, squirrels, whatever, to pick up that acorn and carry it off somewhere, or rain to wash it away, to put it through some trials. It'll fall into the river. You may get washed a hundred miles down the river. And a flood will come. And as the flood comes, the water rises. And this acorn gets washed up on the bank. And it lands in some soil. And it gets buried. Still has no idea who he is or what he is, where he came from. He just knows he's got a big daddy. That's all he knows. He has no idea that one day he'll look exactly like him. He'll look just like that big oak tree. So as this, this little acorn, this little seed goes into the ground, winter comes, and all he sees is darkness. Dirt piled around him and it gets cold and hard. There's no life there. We've all been there. Even in your, with the Holy Ghost in your life, you've, you've gone through them moments in your life where you feel no growth. Everything around you is cold and hard and dark. You're going to go through those times. And as this little acorn lays there, eventually spring will roll around. And you'll feel the dampness in the earth. you feel something get warm. He feels a little stimulation inside of him. Something inside of him will begin to move. It might be slow and gradual. It might take him service after service after service of the watering. But it begins to grow and he feels movement around him. You've got to understand when and a seed is in the ground, there's nutrients in the ground that help that seed to grow. There's nutrients in there. There's calcium. There's potash. Petroleum. Different things that help this seed grow. Now in studying that, I got to thinking about that. You know, just because there's things in our life, we, we see it all the time. You know, I call these nutrients gifts. We've got, God allows nutrients in our life to stimulate growth. But they are not the life. God allows speaking in tongues. He allows laying on of hands. The gift of preaching, the gift of singing, the gift of songwriting, the gift of playing music. That's not the life. It's a nutrient God put in the soil. So when we, we glorify them things, you're glorifying dirt. That's, that's something that God put in the dirt. In the dirt to stimulate the growth of the life. But that is not the life. When you give glory to, to how well you preach or whoever got healed because you laid hands on them, because you speak in tongues, because you can write a song, because you can sing a song, you're glorifying dirt. God allows that there. That's for the body. That's, that's to grow. Those are nutrients just like to stimulate this little acorn seed in the ground. Stimulate it to grow. But as this thing begins to grow, the outer laying of this acorn 
this seed begins to die. In order to growth, the outer layer has to die. It has to rot. It has to be buried for the life on the inside to come out. And when that thing becomes an oak tree, you can dig to China and you'll never find one piece of that old man of that seed. You'll never find one cell of it. Because it, it's a new man. So as, as this acorn, as this acorn lays there, and it begins to grow, and eventually he comes out. And as he comes out, he hears something say, Good morning. And it's the sun. It's the S-U-N. And do you think that little acorn jumped up and said, I've been searching for you for so long, son. Rain, I've been looking for you all my life. That little seed had no idea that it existed. The son says, I was here all the time. The entire time you were in the ground, through your dark times, through the times where you didn't know where the cold was coming from, where the dark was coming from. Through those times, I was here. I shone during the dark, the dark times. I shone during the cold times. I was right here. And that seed begins to grow. <clears throat> but it has to go through things. You know, the life inside of that seed thirsted for something. Had no idea what it was. He didn't have no idea the sun was. There are people telling you they, they searched for God. They got on their knees and searched for God. That's how they came to the message because they were searching for God and, and they found God. Never happened. They didn't find God no more than this seed found the sun. It don't work that way. If you were already in the mind of God, God knew where you were the whole time. Though this flesh might have been lost, the old man might have had you lost, God knew where you was the whole time. <clears throat> Romans 8, 10, 11, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, He, he raised up Christ from the dead, shall quicken your mortal bodies by His flesh that dwelleth in you. This seed was quickened. You know, whenever people say, you know, speaking in tongues, and you know, back on the nutrients, Thing again, you know, that speaking in tongues is, is, you know, a lot of people say it's the gift of the Holy Ghost, which we know it ain't. Pentecostals believe that, and some of them trying to transition over into the message. You know, it's not, it's not wrong to have those things. It's not wrong to ask for these nutrients, these stimulants in your, in your life. You remember the, the, the sister that Brother Branham told about that she had the Holy Ghost. Brother Branham said she had the Holy Ghost. But she couldn't believe it. So Brother Branham told her to go pray and ask God to give you the gift of speaking in tongues. Ask God to give you the stimulant that will help the growth of that life. 
You know, there's, there's people that might have to do that. <clears throat> but we can't place glory in this, in this soul. And that seed, in order for it to grow, will have to continue to sit under the washing of the water of the Word. It will have to bask in the sunlight to have growth. And then eventually it will come into the image of the big father oak. That's the same thing in our life. You know, we, we come in here and, you know, I know it's different with COVID and all that. And you have a lot of people, most people, just about everybody has to sit at home. But it's still the word. I know it's a different atmosphere. It's still the word, you know. And I understand how Brother Donnie, he hates having to do this. Because when you've got a whole group of believers in here pulling, it, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. And I'd say it, it makes a difference with the singing and everything as well. But still, we have to get under that watering of the Word. <clears throat> so whose life is inside you? Who is the life that's inside you? Souls that are in prison now. But that soul in there, see, that soul is what God is working on, see? If He can get that nature, that spirit to agree with Him, then that nature dies. The nature and the love of the world dies. The things of the world is dead. If you love the world, the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in, the love of God is not in you. A man must be born again. So this nature has to die and the nature of God comes in and lives in you. And God is the only thing there is that never did begin or never can end. Therefore, He has partnership, you see, and taken this man, earthly, and this internal spirit, and put it together. He's taken your earthly body and this eternal spirit and made it one. That's the only way you're going to have the life. If God done that. When you, when you receive the Holy Ghost, God took this earthly body and the Holy Spirit and put them together. <clears throat> because God reflected Himself back in that. He became a man when He became Jesus Christ. And He was God, see? He was in Christ, lived in Him, reconciling the world to Himself. And through that perfect man, each one of us imperfect, we're all imperfect, this flesh is imperfect. Each one of us imperfect that believe in God has accepted us, has accepted that, and we become the perfection of Him. When that life manifests in you, that new man, that seed manifests in you, you become the perfection of God. That's all God, that, that is God's main purpose. is to have a bride that is Him. Nothing short of that. That, that's God's greatest desire. The greatest desire that God could look down through eternity and you, you look at yourself. Everybody take a look at yourself and, and think, me, why would God, the, the great creator of all this earth, feel like that He can take this body and be perfect in this body? In Joe Harris' body. If I, if I want to reflect on the old man, I can say, Lord, look what I've done. I can say that, but God says, I don't have no image of that. I've never seen that. But that's what Satan wants you to do. God says, I want you to be my perfection. Satan says, you'll never be his perfection. As long as you keep looking at the old man, 
And you never water the seed of life that's down on the inside if you never water that. If you never read, if you never pray, if you're not listening to the Word, how are you going to have growth? Everything's going to, that, that seed's going to go back into a dark, cold state in the ground. You won't have growth that way. So in order to become the perfection of God, I've never heard this quote before. Or Brother Branham said, we become the perfection of Him. When the Holy Spirit, God places that in you. The Holy Spirit into an imperfect body. That's, like the, that's just like the ink and the bleach. When God puts that Holy Spirit in that imperfect body, there's no more imperfection. There's no more. It's all the imperfections are gone when that new man takes over. We become His perfection. God refuses. God refuses. I don't know how to put this. He cannot and will not be perfect without you. He refuses to be perfect without you. Our, our human minds cannot comprehend God's desire. Because we, we try to put our minds at such a high level of thinking this is the way God must think. And we, we, we put it so far out of reach and God says it's right down here in simplicity. It's so simple. All I want is to live in you and me and you be perfect together. I want my seed, life to grow in you. But our human minds can't comprehend that a God so great would think that low. It's as simple as a, lie, as a seed being planted in the ground. Rain falling on it in the spring. Sun shining on it in the spring through the summer and it grows. That's how simple God wants to make it. That's the only way I can understand it. How many times have we heard Brother Bram say the natural types of spiritual? So many times. It types the spiritual. You know, God didn't, God didn't do that for you because He felt sorry for you. God didn't feel sorry for you. God didn't do you. I was, I was watching an old Victorian show sometime and this, this peasant woman, this, this uh, noble guy, fell in love with this peasant woman and he, and he married her. And the whole time, she would talk to her friends, you know, when he wasn't around. The whole time, she felt like she owed him so much. She thought that he did me a favor by marrying me because he felt sorry for me. And so one of these noble men came to her. And she was giving this little speech to him about, you know, I'll never be good enough for him. And he said, he didn't do you a favor by marrying you. He didn't do you a favor. He did it out of pure undying love. Nothing short of that. God didn't look at you and say, there's a, a dirty old peasant woman. I need to rescue her. The very first image that God ever had in you in His mind was a pure, white, without blemish, clean bride. That's how He looked at you. He's never seen you any other way. I don't know how many, much clearer I can make that. God has never seen you imperfect. 
So why are we constantly saying, God, I did this. I fell short here. I did this. We're feeling sorry for ourselves. And God, you're, you're saying something to God that He don't know anything about. God don't understand that from you. God wants you to get the same image in your mind that He has in His. That's the way this bride's going to get out of here. When this bride gets the same image of who she is. I'm clean. I'm spotless. I'm perfect. I'm unblameable. Nothing I did in my past said, no one can blame me for that. If God says you didn't do it, who is greater than God? Who is any greater? And then we sit there and we waller in our sins, things we did in the past. I've said it here before. If you bring up your past, you have to reach into hell and pull it out. Because that's where God put it. When you ask forgiveness for something, God throws it in the sea of forgetfulness. He sends it back to hell where it came from. And then you want to go dig the old man out of hell and put him on a breathing machine. That's what we do. But God said, get the image that I had in you. I promise you, when everybody, every member of this bride gets the image that God has of them in, in, in their soul, we're leaving. Nothing's going to keep her. You know, why do we, let's, let's go ahead and stand. It's a life that comes with it. There's something about that life that recognizes life. God recognizes that life of Himself in you. Just the spoken word. Look at Elizabeth. Whenever Mary come to her and spoke the word to her. But Bram said the spoken word and John leaped in her womb who was dead. It's a life that recognizes life. <clears throat> We're no different. We're no different. You might not be a prophet. You might not be a preacher. But you're exactly what God wants you to be. You're exactly where God wants you to be. You know, you... you I never understand why people want to preach. I never have never understood it. Ever since I, I, that I felt the calling in my life, it just blows my mind if people want to preach. But I'm where God wants me to be. If I preach once a year, once three years, once every five years, it makes no difference to me. I'm exactly where God wants me to be. If we ever realize the life that is in us, it doesn't matter what Satan throws at us. COVID, cancer, depression, bitterness. It doesn't matter what kind of sickness, what kind of disease. We've got nothing to worry about. Everything, when I was talking about the oak tree earlier, everything in your life Everything that you have in your life, in the life of that new man, you're victorious over it. You've got nothing else to worry about. You know, look, look at, if you look at, uh, anybody seen the, the message that um, Brother Tim Pruitt just preached and showed the x-rays? Lady in his church. He put up two x-rays. I watched it last night. He put two x-rays up side by side. This lady, this whole lung, entire lung was black with cancer. 
She came to church, went and prayed for her, went and got an x-ray, and it's all gone, every bit of it. And the cancer took almost her whole lung. That comes from the life. That's in the life. Healing is in the life. If you've got cancer, you got healing. It's already there. It's already done. You don't, it, 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 once you receive that life, that new man, anything that the Satan puts up between you and that promise, that's a bluff. That, that's a bluff. You don't have to worry about it no more. Take him for what he is. The same God that healed, healed Sister Becky Johnson, healed Sister Cynthia, healed Sister Erica. It's the same God. Why, what is it? It's the life. It's, the, it's in the DNA. You can't help from being healed. It's already in there. Healing is in the life. Amen. You struggle with depression? You want peace and joy? It's in the life. Get in here and get watered. Let it grow. <clears throat> Brother Harry, can we sing... Uh, I'm going a little over. I apologize. Can we sing, uh, Why Should I Worry? We've got nothing to worry about. Not a thing. <clears throat> Let me have a word of prayer first, Brother Harry, if you don't mind. If you have a need there, you and your homes, here if you have a need, just put that before the Lord. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray if, if no one else, Lord, that you make this sermon a realization and a revelation in my life. Lord, I, I understand so many times Satan wants us to focus, Lord, on that old man. He wants us to focus on the things in our life that stumble us, to focus on, on sickness, on COVID, on cancer, on the things that's in people's lives, Lord Jesus. Things that hinder us. But Lord, when your prophet said that he took this imperfect body and Lord, he put his Holy Spirit in it, we become the perfection of him. In the perfection of you, there is no cancer. That's all healing. In the perfection of you, there's deliverance. In the perfection of you, Lord, there's salvation. There's overcoming power. There's peace and joy. We don't have to take the symptoms of the old man, Lord. We can grasp hold of the promise of the new man. Lord, every need that's here, Lord, I pray that you touch Brother Gary. Lord, glory of Father. Touch Joshua. Continue to lift Brother Homer up. You see the needs amongst us. Lord, the ones that, that are in dire need of you, Father. Lord, I pray that you would go there, comfort them, lift them up. Lord, I already see your hands of healing moving through our congregation, Father. Lord, I see the faith of these people being built by the healing of one another. Lord, I'm believing you for it, Lord. I pray that you lift these brothers and sisters up, Lord, that's come tonight. Lord, for the effort that they've put forth, I pray that you would bless them, Lord. Lord, abundantly above all they could ask for. Thank you for being with us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I bless y'all. Out on the water, storms raging high. Were troubled at night, fear in their heart. They thought they would die. They failed to remember the master was nigh. He spoke the words. The winds all stood still. Even though.
Steps leading mine to walk with the master all of the time. And when trouble comes and death seems so nigh, I can search for the master. I know he'll be there on time. And when I'm in trouble and my body.
Certainly appreciate Brother Joe obeying the Lord tonight. Appreciate that sermon. Very good. Let's just go tonight in prayer, remembering, remembering the needs in the body that we have here, just lifting each other up in prayer. And I think the weekend will be streaming again. Is that right? So just pray for those services this weekend. Let's sing that my all in all, just as we go tonight. G, my all in all. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Thank you.